Welcome, love leaders. We have such a treat for you today. Hi, I am Dr. Shannon Roberts, and welcome to the Love Leading um, Podcast, where we really walk you through step-by-step of finding and enhancing and flourishing your most intimate relationship. So, so glad to be with you again for this episode. We have a treat for you. Um, Avery Royal is here. She is the founder and creator and CEO of Sacred Roots. Sacred Roots is an organization that's committed to building appropriate levels of care within the church that help bridge the gap between services provided and the need of the community. So join with me in a wonderful welcome, Avery Royal. (laughs) Thank you guys. I appreciate being on and just uh, spending some time with you guys. So I'm looking forward to, but I'm really glad to be here. Thanks for having me. So um, Avery, yeah, we met um, not too long ago at a banquet that was hosted by one of my home churches. um, And you were kind of the the featured co-coordinator of that um, um, activity. And you spoke and I was like, oh, I didn't even know that there was such a thing as this person <laughs> that kind of is out there niching, um, bridging the gap between these yeah. professional resources in the community with the church. And I was like, I have to get her on this um, podcast. I have to interview her. I have to know what's in her head. I want to know her story. <laughs> I love the um, the people out there that are championing these two environments and trying yes. to bring them together. So. My goodness, let's dive in. Tell me a little bit about you and tell me a little bit more about that thing that you do. Yeah, so, um, you know, been in ministry. I was in for 12 years, which is a miracle in and of itself. So working <laughs> at the church, yes. the, uh, the burnout rate, the turnover rate is five years or less. Uh, mm-hmm. currently in America. And so wow. doing 12 years, I'm like, uh, I'm really ancient in my time <laughs> <laughs> and a uh, miracle in and of itself. Um, married for 10 years uh, to my husband. Uh, he serves in the United States military. He's currently deployed. Oh, tell so, him thank um, you for his service for us. I will. Thank you for your support. But, um, you know, I, I value what you do in terms, you know, just the marriage counseling, the marriage component is so vital especially to us military families. So thank you for what you do. Yes. Uh, we have a precious daughter. She's seven years old. Her name's Cadence and she is just uh, oh, such wow. a joy. You know, I mean, anyone who has children just knows just what a joy having kids is and what a stretch having kids is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> more about myself and Jesus <laughs> being a parent. Uh, absolutely. I didn't even know as a selfish <laughs> person until I had a child. <laughs> You think we'd catch it when we got married, but no, like that, having a child just brings out all those edges on you. (laughs) That's exactly right. But, um, you know, just, um, very passionate. I've been very passionate about mental health, um, you know, mental health struggles and mental. Oh, are you okay? Yeah. 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 Okay. Make sure I was recording because this is such good stuff. Yeah. Okay. So you're passionate about mental health. You've been in ministry. How, I mean, how did you get one in ministry and why would, is how, how how did that happen that your passion for mental health really was there and developed? Yeah, I fell in love with the Lord at 13. I do not come from a Christian upbringing in any way. Um, My sister had gone 
to a church on the street, went to a summer camp and brought me along. And she was like, Hey, you need to come and just found Jesus there. And it was, you know, changed the trajectory of my life forever. And we have um, similar backgrounds. Yeah. Yeah. And so that, that was kind of a tricky spot, you know, um, you, you don't know what you don't know. And, and we were just all kind of figuring that out our faith for ourselves, and, uh, really felt the Lord call me, um, very young to, he, he told me that I would speak and I would teach his word. And I didn't really understand what that meant. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. And, um, I was really grateful later. He told me, he didn't tell me I would preach. <laughs> I don't want to be a preacher, but I do love teaching the word. I do love speaking to people and, and sharing heart, my heart with people. So um, I got my bachelor's in communications. And before I graduated, um, had an opportunity to apply for my first ministry position and got it um, and was wow, working right out ministry. of school. Yes. Well, I hadn't even graduated. I was doing both at the same time. Okay. And okay. It was amazing and it was hard and it was stretching, but it was, I knew that's what I needed to do. And mm-hmm. in that season, you know, I went from different ministry job, to different ministry job, but I always found myself caring for others. I always felt myself drawn to those who might've gone unlooked or unseen. And, um, you know, even through the stretching and the molding and the shaping that the Lord did in my life. And even my own healing, I think, you know, so much of my work comes from my own mental health struggles and my own depression and my own, um, you know, suicidality and just really figuring out that this was, this was everybody, that there isn't a perfect, healthy, whole person on this planet, even though we somehow think that, you know, it's like innate. Yeah. And when I realized that, that we were all truly broken, and I know we say that to really feel it and recognize it. Um, I slowly began to just decide that, Hey, the church has got to do something about this. And so in my last several years, um, I had the honor of, uh, being led by, um, my director who was also a licensed mental health counselor. Okay. Okay. And she really infused in me a lot more of the clinical side and understanding and which gave me insight. And when you have insight and awareness, you can help people better. And I thought there are so many churches who don't have a person like her, who don't have someone Mm. who's training them, who's giving them perspective, who's inviting them into something a little broader than what we do in the church. And, um, I went to a conference, um, it was, uh, in September at the time. And, um, a, a year ago, actually this month, I went to a conference and there was a breakout on, um, basically infusing mental health within your church. And what can we do? No kidding. Well, right. I was like, here's this golden nugget, this thing I've been searching for this, this thing I'm passionate about. And I Uh, had already uh, been building a mental health response team at our church because I recognized the need. Right. And I said, they're going to help, you know, they're going to be the answer I need. They're going to help me develop this better. And, um, the, 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 the presenter essentially spent an hour explaining that the church didn't have a foothold and wasn't trained and wasn't prepared and they should just send them to the professionals and get it over with, but they had no parts to play and people got upset in the oh, room. Really? In the room? Yes, in <gasps> the room. And this gentleman stood up and he said, I have a doctorate in pastoral counseling. Are you telling me that I have no space in my church to help my people? There's nothing I can do. You're telling me we're helpless and we're hopeless. And people were walking out. People were crying. I mean, it was, 
it was such an intense, it was the weirdest conference experience. <laughs> and what, and what, if you were the speaker, like you're like, uh, uh, I, I didn't survey the, my population very yes. well. <laughs> I mean, he, kind of, he was trying to backtrack. He was trying to re-answer. He was shifting some of his thoughts suddenly. Yeah. And I was just, I, I was angry and I was heartbroken all in one thing, not only for myself, but finally I saw that so many others were on this journey that I was on. And mm-hmm. no one was pioneering. Uh, there's there's several of us that I'm I'm aware of now that are pioneering this bridging, right? Yeah. And um, and I walked away, and I I remember going home telling my husband. I said, I said someone's got to do something about this. <laughs> and he waited and listened. Someone is you. Yeah, and that's exactly what he said. He said, I think <laughs> it's you. And so I started this journey of developing mm-hmm. a sacred roots, which was taking a culmination of what I've been doing in the church for years. Uh-huh. And leaving where I was at my home church and and bringing it to others yeah. and helping them build um, appropriate levels of care because I do believe that pastors, leaders, and the church body, right, the body of Christ, they can step it up a bit, right? There's a little bit more they can do, especially with education, right. with awareness, right, right, um, with understanding maybe their unconscious spiritual abuse that they uh, present. Uh, but also really learning, okay, how do I, when someone is way out of my league, how do I get them the appropriate level of care and building those networks and those partnerships and yes. really understanding professionals are not to be feared. Mm-hmm. Professionals are to be a huge support system to gather this. around this individual, you know, and believe I that. So absolutely love this. So a little bit about my background, um, cause I, I did this on such a smaller scale than what, what you're doing it on. I was on staff for 13 years of a church okay. and began kind of just, um, you know, I'm, I'm a licensed mental health counselor and I, I began seeing people, um, but because of this kind of whole, nuance, liability, and fear of maybe this psycho, psychological kind of realm that a lot of Mm -hmm. churches kind of have. Are you a biblical counselor? (laughs) Do you use only prayer and scripture, you know, or, mm-hmm. oh, you do the psychological intervention thing, you know, those mm-hmm. kinds of, so, you know, I, I just kind of did a balancing act for a while. And um, I really kind of cut into, you know, this, um, a, you know, creating a culture and an environment where um, it's okay to show up and not have it all together at a church, mm-hmm. that it becomes more about showing up because you need your masks off, not to put your mask on in order to yes. get there. So, and so I, we opened up a, a kind of a, an addiction, um, you know, uh, support group, 12 step mm-hmm. Christ center, you know, that kind of thing. And then I went on um, to eventually kind of start my own ca- Christian counseling center outside of the church. Um, and I did that for 16 years and began just just me, it, the CEO and founder of that um, counseling center going and meeting with pastors one-on-one and trying yeah. to build the bridge. So when I saw how you were doing it in such a, you know, organized and structured and um, very well thought out approach, I was like amazed that, that someone was, <laughs> um, you know, taking the, the, the megaphone and the spotlight and saying, we can coexist together and work with the same mission and passion. And we can both um, have an arm 
in um, helping people mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. And so I tell pastors that I really feel like what I do is um, a kind of a discipleship program on steroids that I want, I have to um, live in continuity with the church because they need both of us. So yeah. tell me a little bit, Avery, about um, how, what you do in order to kind of create what you just said that you have were called and purpose to do. Sure. Yeah. So um, when I sit down, like you with a pastor or lead team of uh, at a church, really just helping them, you know, when you meet with them, they don't know what they need, but they know <laughs> they have a need and there's this panic in their eyes. And with, you know, honestly, people say we're in a mental health crisis for the first time. And I do believe that's elevated more than it's ever been yes. uh-huh. global pandemic, you know, yes. world crisis, different things. Yes. I do believe that, but yes. I also believe that in a lot of ways, those numbers were just hidden in masks and really those big global hits just took off, took off the hiding, you know, right. it took off the mask exactly. and it, and it revealed we've been in a mental health crisis for a long time. Yeah. Um, and so I think, you know, when I sit down with churches, they're, they're recognizing now that their people are hurting mm. and, you know, Barna did a research, Lifeway did a research uh, study pre COVID of how individuals are going to their church or a church. I mean, they're just Googling the most closest church to go to when they're in the middle of a deep depression or Mm -hmm. having panic attacks or are suicidal or have Mm -hmm. lost a loved one. I mean, these deep, deep suffering moments, they're going to the church. Yeah, We can't ask the community not to suffer. We can ask the church to rise up though. And so the first thing I sit down with, um, you know, the church and the staff, is figuring out, are you looking to serve the needs of the people? Mm-hmm. Are you looking to equip and train your staff, right? To be better mm-hmm. eyes and ears, right? Right. Um, or are you looking to heal your church and your staff? Because mm-hmm. a lot of times there's there's a lot of hurting churches as a whole, yes. you know, different things that are going on. Maybe their community went through something. You know, you think about the Uvalde shooting, those churches are dealing with a hurting community. So there's kind of different components is, are we going out into the community? Are we bridging that gap? Are we pulling the clinicians in? Are we educating ourselves that way? Are we healing our staff, Mm -hmm. right? A lot of times they're burnout, they're tired, they have compassion fatigue. And we know the dangers of all of those, especially leading other people. Um, So are we healing them first? And then, or is it the community itself? And Mm -hmm. so, and and sometimes it's a combination. Sometimes they go, we need all of that. And I love when churches say that because they're looking at all the vital components and different things. So um, a huge thing that I do is education. What is mental health? What is mental illness? What are you feeling? What are, what is the reality of what your people are walking through? Um, And then creating awareness. What are signs and symptoms? You know, so often we train on, what's a sign and symptom of a stroke, right? So you can recognize that in your loved right. one or, or even someone choking or CPR. I mean, we train right. on those things, right. but we don't train on signs and symptoms for mental health. And that doesn't mean they're to diagnose people, right? Mm-hmm. I, I'm pretty clear about the hard lines, <laughs> <laughs> but it means that the sooner we can figure out if someone's in a deep depression or the sooner we can figure out what suicide sounds like, because it doesn't always sound the way we think it's going to sound, yes. the sooner we can get them to the professional that can get them the care and healing that they need. And that's our responsibility that. as the church. Absolutely. So education, we create so, awareness and then we create plans and ministries to help respond in those ways. I love that. 
Um, and that's one component is kind of education. The other component is bridging with professionals. And that was kind mm -hmm. of the event that, you know, mm -hmm. in, under which we um, met. So tell me a little bit about that. How do yeah. you get um, pastors on board to, because boy, howdy, they are, they're busy people. Mm -hmm. And um, what I tell them is, you know, I, you know, if you spent all your time doing one to one kind of um, ministering, mm -hmm. like kind of I do, uh, I don't know how you're going to meet the demands of your congregations of hundreds, maybe thousands of people mm -hmm. and and survive. Um, right. And I, you might enjoy some of that pastoral counseling component. Um and you might be even a little bit more expertise on it um, than maybe the next pastor, um, but you're called to a big mass of people. Exactly. And so let me mm -hmm. help you. But how, what do you, how do you do this? How do you coordinate sure. pastors and clinicians? Sure. So first, it usually starts with a pastoral team that's been through something pretty horrific. Mm -hmm. They've recognized their limit. And sometimes it's um, in a not so good way. Mm -hmm. um, they've run into trying to help an individual who needed professional care. Mm -hmm. And it ended up in, you know, becoming a danger to the person receiving care, to the pastor, to the church, what have you. So sometimes, most often, they're at the end of their rope and they're pretty much in crisis. And they say, who do we call? How can we get help? Right. Um, you know, and, and the first thing I have to do is break down those stigmas, you know, recognizing oh. that. Clinicians, right? Stigma. Ooh, yeah, go ahead. Professionals go, go there. are, <laughs> well, they're not, they're not the enemy. And, and the truth is, I think there's been kind of this tension between uh, clinicians and churches, right? Churches are scared to hand over the care to a clinician that they don't yeah, know. Absolutely. That's not in the congregation. I know in, um, there are so, there's some really unique qualities about um, Christian couples apart from couples that maybe don't practice faith. And, and one of them is, you know, they come in and they tell me, I went to some other um, counselors and they, they told me that maybe we should consider divorce. Yeah. And so they're scared of that. And pastors mm -hmm. are scared of that, yes. you know, kind right. of thing. And so, yeah, there's, there's other counselors that are out there that give us, you know, this kind of mm -hmm. bad rap, right. That right. We, we are not going to work in conjunction to a set of faith values and in mm -hmm. honoring of the community of the faith institution of church. Yeah. hundred percent. Like, is it going to be a true partnership and mm -hmm. letting them understand you're not sending that person out into the abyss. They're still yours to shepherd. There's yeah. still places for you to find support. And it really, it is so vital for the church when they send someone to a counselor to not just go, okay, that person's done and move on, right. but to have some type of follow-up system of shepherding that your responsibility is going to say, you right, know, how's yeah. it going? Are you guys doing the work the counselor is asking you to do? Have you seen a difference, right? Like mm -hmm. really fueling that support and accountability that. to the individual or the couple. Um, so really breaking that. down those stigmas creating those partnerships and learning to vet the professionals that you invite in to care for your flock. Right. I mean, at the end of the day, God calls us to keep the wolves out, right. Wolves in sheep's clothing. It looks like you said, there's counselors out there who are not going to align, who are not going to do the things that God would ask these individuals or couples to do or families to do. 
And you have to vet that as a good shepherd and say, are they, and are they faith believing? Are they, you know, what practices do they use? What methods they do, do they use? Which means they have to educate themselves in what clinicians even do. Yes. (laughs) You know what? I'm in the middle of that myself, um, Avery, because I, 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 the kind of format that I provide um, for marriage counseling is um, some couples will come in um, from out of state or out of a different part of the city and they'll do a two-day intensive and then I have an online follow-up. So that allows um, people to kind of get outside of their community and be able to kind of handpick because, you know, like we do in medical fields, find the expert that they best fit with. And so they come here. And um, so I I lost my thought. And so Carly, you're going to have to edit that out. What was your (laughs) last thing, Avery? Um, Vetting the professionals. Make sure you're finding the right ones. Oh, I'm in the middle of doing that right now because um, I'm, I, I know all of my anchor pastors here. I practiced for 20 years here in Tampa. And, um, now I'm kind of doing that outside of this kind of central area. And so I have a, a, a therapist to pastoral, um, partnership lunch and learn, you know, on a, a pretty frequent basis. And so, you know, you got to know, like, and trust these um, community resources. You really have to, us professionals as well, we have to be held accountable that we are providing quality of care. We have to be, you know, um, collaborative in our approach to providing Mm -hmm. that care that we aren't the end all and that they really need, you know, to build this team of support. And so that education of, um, pastors of who you are and vice versa. And here's Mm -hmm. a bigger piece too. Listen, being on an island of your own as a mental health practitioner and as a pastor can be very isolating. And so um, providing that encouragement for one another. I have a pastor, sweet, sweet man of God. And I can guarantee that maybe once every couple of months, I get this sweet little 5.30 a.m. text mm-hmm. and it says, Shannon, I want you to know you were just lifted up in prayer. Thank mm-hmm. you for fighting on the battle with me. Wow. And I, I'm going to tell you that one sentence, uh, I mm-hmm. know he was in prayer for me. I yeah. know he was in prayer for me. And that one sentence of encouragement, I try to do that the same to my pastors too, because I get to hear the stories of the things that I know that he's up against with his congregation that is hurting. And Mm -hmm. I get to hear the stories of his staff members that he sends to me too, that are hurting inside the church and in that staff room that we're trying to hold together. So I love this, this, this education piece Mm -hmm. and vetting out the professionals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in teaching them to respect what clinicians do and invite clinicians in so they can learn to respect the great deal of work that pastors and leaders do within yes. the church. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes clinicians only know their church, mm-hmm. you know, and, and they only really consider it. They, they see them as other clients, but really do they value what pastors and church leaders have to go through? You just mentioned the weight that they carry and the amount of people that they carry, you know, even if your church is a hundred people strong, that's a hundred to one, you know, and not every time is the individual going to take the pastor's advice and go see the professional. That pastor's not giving up on that person. 
Right. So they're still there holding them, carrying them, yes. their burden, their weight, right? Praying for them at 5 a.m., you know? Right. And I think a mutual respect in relationship can be so powerful, not only for the church and the clinicians, but for the people receiving care. At the end of the day, this is for them. And we've got to figure it out for them, Correct. you know? So working those partnerships is huge. And when I, when I uh, meet with churches, I always invite them a luncheon. You feed people, they will come, oh, right? <laughs> absolutely. And that banquet was the bomb. I, I mean, like, I, I don't get to go out to lunch very often because I'm usually working through lunch. But I yeah. was like, I, I'm like digging this. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Invite them in. It's a great networking opportunity for clinicians, right? Ha- host a lunch. Everybody gets to know each other. And honestly, one of the most vital pieces of that was the church that we had, you know, met at was they were already in contact with a lot of clinicians in the area, which is great, but they mm-hmm. never invited them in to share, no, Hey, this is what we're doing. Yeah. Right. This is a little bit about us. We love you guys. We appreciate you. I mean, those words go really far. Yeah. Um, and, and I think even in that, um, if I remember correctly, there were some uh, kinks that were worked out because they were all in the same room. Right. Yes. Uh, I think one of the things the clinician, one clinician raised their hand and said, it would be easier if you could do this for us, we could help better or more efficiently. And I thought, see what happens when we come to yeah. the same room. And right. so we tweaked on our end and yeah. now they're fixing that. I mean, yeah, there are a lot of times in, listen, I learned how to use FaceTime more and more and more during COVID because my mom was in a different state and I wanted mm, her to stay yeah. in, but I didn't want her to not have human contact. Yeah. So I don't know why we don't use FaceTime more often, but there were a lot of those pastors that I had only met via audio phone call that I would have never been able to put a face with a name. And, you know, so there's something about that knowing and trusting Mm -hmm. element um, when you really can um, meet people in person or at least, you know, have a little bit more information than just a voice. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. All right. My gosh, I could go on forever because you use this big word, spiritual abuse, but I, I won't. Uh, <laughs> That's not the purpose for this another podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Another <laughs> podcast. And, um, I'm amazed that you told me that your husband had been deployed and this is his second one and he's been gone for nine months. So um, I'm amazed by that. And I want to have you back um, to talk about that. Um, so I have not only, you know, pastors that listen to um, this podcast, I have other clinicians that listen. And then I also have um, couples um, at all levels of whether they're thriving in their marriage or hurting in their marriage. So it's going to be a big blanket kind of what encouragement can do you have as, as a word out there to my sweet, sweet, sweet couples and or um, my, my sweet, sweet pastors and churches as well. Yeah. Yeah. You know, honestly, we could divide everybody into some category somehow, some way, right? We could be, you and I could be in the same one or we could be in separate ones. Right. But I think at the end of the day, we're all God's children. Mm. And I think if I have anything to share is, is to remember that he made you a complex human mind, body, and spirit. Mm. And every element of that is vital. Um, not only for your freedom in Christ, but in your becoming like Christ. Mm -hmm. And so many of us in the body of Christ right now, we work to deny one element of that, 
We deny spirituality. We just, we deny our emotions. We deny our mind, right. Um, or our body. But I think really my encouragement to each of you in this, in this new time is you're, if you're listening to this, then you're seeking out growth. You're a person of growth. You're a person of change. You're a person that's willing to say, I could do better. I could be better. God wants more for me. And I really think, you know, just sit with the Holy spirit and begin asking yourself, you know, mind, body, and spirit. What does that mean for me? whether it's a pastor, a married couple, a clinician, right? What does that mean for the people I see? And how can I do better at helping disciple and grow people in that way? But also how can I do better at growing myself, right? There's a fullness and a wholeness that we are called to, um, you know, and I, I, I just really want to encourage everyone to do that, to seek That's out a, a quiet, peaceful moment and truly discover what does it mean to be a full, whole person in Christ? Mm. Girl, you are, you are called to preach. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no. (laughs) I heard him clearly. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just, I am just kidding you, but that is so touching. All right. So I ask all of my guests a question at the end. Okay. Tell me, and this is, this is very pertinent to kind of just what you told me about having um, your husband deploy. In kind of a harder chapter of, of your marriage, what was the your go-to thing that helped the most? Mm. I don't know if it's a thing mm. um, necessarily like, I could say cheesecake. Cheesecake was great. <laughs> when you're upset, get a slice of cheesecake, right? No, but I- I, I like that. Cheese, I like right? that. <laughs> but I think- I think for me, um, in the hardest season of my marriage, when it was strands holding it together and, um, just painful, painful experiences for us all together. But, um, I showed up whether I was angry, whether I wanted to leave, whether I Mm. was madly in love, but confused. Um, if it was a counseling session, I went to it. And I forced, I could feel myself forcing myself to stay in that room. And I wasn't even maybe even mentally present or emotionally present, but I had to be physically present. So for me in the hardest moments, it was just show up because God, God honors that obedience, Mm -hmm. whether it's physical, right? Even if it's just physically, I'm just going to stand here until until God moves, (laughs) something happens. So I think for me, it was. I've got to show up for this. I've got to keep showing up for this until God shows me what he's doing. I love that. Thank you for being so vulnerable and offering that encouragement out there to maybe someone that needed to hear that. And I know that there's plenty that do. Mm-hmm. All right. So yeah. if you, if there's a pastor out there, or there's even a congregate that says, my church needs this yeah. lady, she, they need this message, they need this yeah. intervention, this bridge. How do they get a hold of you, Avery? Yeah, they can find all my contact info on our website. So it's sacredrootsllc.org. Got my social medias on there. Got my cell phone number. Got my, you know, email, things like that. You can check out all the different training opportunities and consulting opportunities that I provide. But I would say website, sacredrootsllc.org. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I value what you do. I I think what you have is a, such a unique message that really is necessary for not only um, clinicians, but churches and um, 
getting them together in that same room. And I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. And I am, I'm going to have you and, or you and your husband back on in the future. Okay. That'd be awesome. Thank you so much for your time and for letting us uh, get to chat. It was fun. It was fun. Okay. Mm -hmm. Take care. (laughs) 